I did understand that. I mean, we're in the twenty first century. Anything you put your mind to, you could basically achieve because the information is out there. It's just for you to find it. What if writing a book is not just a way to transform the lives of many people, but also a way to create financial freedom and leave a legacy? Wouldn't you want to find out just how to do that? Well, that's what this show is all about. Hi, I'm Henneke Wodkiss, Porter speaker, coach, author of Podcasts Power and the host of the Entrepreneurial You podcast, inviting you to listen to the Entrepreneur Secrets podcast brought to you by C. Ruth Taylor, best-selling in the author and the Caribbean's most trusted voice on entrepreneurship. Tune in for inspiration, information, and innovation to write and win with books. Get ready to dominate entrepreneurship. Greetings, entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 51 of the Entrepreneur Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, C. Ruth Taylor, and this is a show that gives you the roadmap to take charge of your publishing and the stories and strategies to dominate entrepreneurship. Coming up in today's show, I'm going to be airing yet another interview from our Entrepreneur Summit, which was held in January 2022. And we're going to be hearing an interview that was done with Daniel Francis from Trinidad Tobago. This young millennial published two books in the pandemic and sold over 2,000 copies directly in Trinidad and Tobago. And he's going to be sharing some of those secrets with us. It was quite an interesting conversation and belated. Happy birthday to Daniel. He celebrated his 31st birthday a few days ago. I'm recording this podcast on Easter Sunday. <laughs> so happy Easter. Easter is a time that reminds us, for us as Christians, that tragedy can be changed into triumph and uh, there is hope. Before we get into the interview, I want to share the latest in my entrepreneurship ventures. If you write it, you will teach it. And uh, I used to share from time to time various transformational principles from my books. In fact, when I started this journey, it was so that my writing would bring transformation. It was to foster personal development and to help people to win despite the odds, sharing my story. And I've written a number of books that are geared towards that, the whole Design to Win series. It's about giving you those keys to win. I have an entire book called Keys to Win at Life. And I have uh, several books that are essentially pep talks, like Embracing Destiny's 21 Pep Talks to Embrace Your um, Greatness and Walk Into Your Destiny. I have another one, Shaped for Purpose, When Trees Talk, which is 31 motivational <laughs> talks to help you um, to shift your thinking so that you can achieve the things that, you know, you've been put on earth to achieve. And so I'm excited to announce that I am going to be teaching from my books. So that's my next entrepreneurship ventures. I'm going to add that as a feature of my YouTube channel. And because sometimes, you know, editing videos and pre-recordings 
sometimes that just takes up too much time and I don't have all the necessary skills for that, I'm going to be doing as many of these teachings live and I'm calling them book studies. So I'm going to be doing some book studies using my own books. I'm going to be sharing more transformational stories. I'm going to be sharing from books of the Bible. I'm going to start with the book of Ruth because my author name is C. Ruth Taylor. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you the story behind that and share with you some transformational principles from the book of Ruth to help you to live out your purpose, to help you to walk in your divine destiny and uh, the added bonus to that is that it will promote my books i hope that in sharing you will go out and buy the books but beyond that it's really about leveraging books for greater impact and leaving a legacy uh, not everyone will pick up the book and read it, but when you teach the principles from the book, you're getting the message across to many. And that's one of the things we want to do with books, use books as a vehicle for our vision and a vehicle to fulfill purpose. So I'm going to be starting this Thursday, which is going to be April 21 at 9 a.m. Central. So you want to listen out for that. And then next episode is going to be episode 52, which would make it one year of podcasting. And if you've been impacted by this podcast, I'm going to ask you to send me a voice note that I can play. We are in over 15 countries or I have listeners, I think in 15 countries. So just send a voicemail to 1-876-782-9893. That's 1-876-782-9893. You want to ensure you're in a quiet background and that it is audible enough. Send me that voice note. I'll extract it and play it on the program and give you a shout out and uh, one of my favorite podcasts is coming to an end that is a six-figure author podcast you know I I love Joanna Penn's podcast the creative pen podcast so I listen to that on a Monday and then every Thursday I check my um <laughs> phone and I listen to the six figure podcast it's more than an hour long but I just love that podcast and I'm gonna miss them one of the things I loved about that podcast even though it primarily focused on marketing fiction books I really love it because the three hosts they they're just natural <laughs> if they make a mistake it is not bleeped out you know I'm going to miss all of them Joe Lalo Andrea Pearson and Lindsay Baroka. I'm going to miss you guys and I love your podcast. And from time to time, I'm going to go back and still listen to those episodes. The podcast was, a, was just a little over two years. And so for me, it's, it's really a, a milestone for me to stick with this thing for 52 weeks. <laughs> and I plan to be around for quite a while. All right. So. Let's get into that interview with Danielle Francis. And then I'm going to come back and do some shout outs based on last week's episode.
Today we have with us a young award-winning author and entrepreneur from Trinidad and Tobago. He wears many hats. His name is Daniel Francis. He is primarily a personal development coach under his family company called Rebit Limited. And uh, as a Caribbean entrepreneur and personal development coach, Daniel tries to tap into the millennial mind. After deep reflections and interactions with millennials, he believes he has discovered the key to unlocking the door that leads to you fulfilling your fullest potential. And he says, I work explicitly <laughs> with millennials and he has done workshops with hundreds of young people. And today he's going to share a little bit of his entrepreneur journey because he's not just an author. He's built a platform around his book. So welcome to the summit, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Not a problem. It's not every day you get to meet a young Caribbean male author who is like dominating the scenes. I saw on your LinkedIn page that you've sold directly 2,000 copies of The Millennial Mind and The Millennial Experience. So congratulations. I even see you advertising your book in a music video. You are creative <laughs> waves, young man. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, I think that goes with the whole entrepreneurship thing. Just because I have my hand in different things, it just opens up the opportunity for some cross-pollination. So it's awesome. always fun to see what happens. That makes you a very good example for young people who will be watching this. So talk to us about your author journey and what route you took to publish your book. Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, I never thought I'd become an author. It's just something that kind of happened uh, because I'm primarily a coach and I focus on time management and goal setting and all these aspects. I just know that one of my biggest goals was to become known worldwide for leadership and personal development. So I don't know how I will make it happen, but as I go along my journey, if particular doors open up, I say, okay, that door makes sense. So one day, actually Republic Day in Trinidad and Tobago, vacation, I'm just relaxing. And I just had a thought, I said, well, you know, when I coach people, I feel like I get them to where they need to go from point A to point B, they're better because of it. And I asked, how could I do that without physically being there? And I don't know, like maybe divine intervention, just a rush. And I just got the idea. I said, hey, write a book, right? Um, now, <laughs> I am not this big English major. I was never, you know, I never had such confidence in myself to say that I have written articles and all these aspects. But I did understand that, I mean, we're in the 21st century. Anything you put your mind to, you could basically achieve because the information is out there. It's just for you to find it and do the work. So I set the goals, uh, came up with the name of the book, started doing courses, reading a bunch of books on the topic. And yeah, I mean, from there, I just set my standards of what I'm, what I'm going to do. And very interestingly, that year, I decided I wanted to read a book a week. Luckily for me, each book I read that, yeah, were mainly self-help books. So I had actually done a lot of the foundational work on learning about how to write books and what I liked and what I didn't like and what I think my market would have liked. So by the time it was time to write my own book, I had already read about 45 books just that year. So it, it saved me a lot of problems when it came to writing. Um, I chose the route of self-publishing just from looking at 
for me, it looked like a lot of work to get a publisher to actually take your book or just pay someone to publish it. I just thought to myself, well, if I'm a coach, my book is along the lines of what I do, personal development, guiding persons on it specific to millennials. I felt like I wanted to have more control over it. Um, so I, I went the route of, okay, I'm going to self-publish, right? So funny enough, I wrote the book in like two months which was crazy, but I mean, I was very, very, I think that was probably the most disciplined I've ever been in my entire life uh, because my days were long. So I decided I would write at five o'clock in the morning or four in the morning when I got up and I would write every day for an hour or two hours. Uh, when you do that, I mean, the book just kind of writes itself. You know, if you, you're dedicating that consistent amount of time each day, it, it just gets written. So when it was time to edit, finish my edits, I know I had the plan. I'm like, okay, I have my book manuscript, what's next? And I didn't want to really skip on anything. So I made a plan that involved doing the most. So I got a marketing specialist, sales specialist, operational manager, all these people to come together to help me to create a plan for launching the book. Uh, however, when I got that bill <laughs> of everything I'd have to pay for, it was a lot of money that I didn't have. Right, so but I, I, you know, you read these books and they talk about don't let money be the reason why you don't do something big. So I didn't allow money to do that. Uh, for me, that meant taking out a personal loan to help pay for all this. And one quick side note: when I went in for the loan, they said no. They said this is your first loan; we can't give you for that amount. Um, and I was like, okay, right. But I kept the documents on me. But one day I went to the bank to the withdraw some money, withdrew some money. I saw a friend who works in the bank. He's like, hey, did you come in for a loan the other day? You got through. He's like, no, I didn't get through. He's like, nah, told me to sit down, had a conversation with someone. He's like, okay, we'll talk to her. I chatted with her and it was just so, I mean, to me, that moment just made me feel like the book was meant to be. But she said, we're having a Christmas loan special, unsecured loans. And the amount that she was offering was basically the exact amount I needed. And I was like, wow, this, this has to be. And she said, well, I mean, today's the last day. So we'd need your documents, the same documents that I have been keeping on me for weeks <laughs> for some strange reason. And I was like, oh, you mean these documents, right? So it just felt like divine intervention for me, like putting out this book was meant to happen and it, it's just going to do well. So I had the plan, I had the money, things were rolling. Actually, things were going really, really well. I was very pleased, especially since it was my first time. So it was about three weeks before the physical launch. I was actually going to have a physical event where people would pay for tickets, come in. Um, I had paid down the venue and all these different aspects. And when COVID came, that exact day that my launch was supposed to happen, Prime Minister said, well, we're going on lockdown, which meant five persons minimum in one enclosed space. They didn't really want us on the road, all these different things. And I had all these different contingency plans, but I didn't have a contingency for a global pandemic, right? For me, it really did depress me. I was very, very sad because, you know, I had, I felt like I had a perfect plan and it was just completely dashed. And before I could even get to the place of figuring it out, I just had to kind of be sad for a little bit, watch some Netflix, hide from the world, you know, just get out of my system. Um, and then my editor sent me my book to finish editing. I'm reading my book and change, making changes. And I'm like, look at this. I, I, read, I wrote all this. This thing is speaking exclusively to what I'm experiencing right now. And I'm like, listen, you know, you need to get, you need to get it together. Like, this is not going to work out. So I got the team together and we transitioned everything into a virtual book launch, which was actually the first of its kind in Trinidad. 
And the pretense was very simple. It was going to be an Instagram live, but the, like how it was expressed was just completely different, right? So all the, everything of a virtual launch was put, a physical launch was made into a virtual one. I had, I rented a studio. I had, you know, beautiful backdrop and I got giveaway prizes from companies. I had a host, I had entertainment playing people on as they entered the live. All of this was done through joint live so that persons wouldn't have to physically be there. I even paid for like Nyla Blackman to perform. It was a whole thing. And honestly, the success of that launch was just so astronomical. Like, I, I kid you not, after that launch, it was just 200, 300 books being sold in a month without me having to actively, you know, reach out to anyone. It, it was just me trying to keep up with the demand. Um, you know, and I set a goal of a thousand books in the first year. Was really pleased to hit that target in six months, especially in a time when bookstores were closed. Uh, like people were very unsure about like meeting with people. So even doing deliveries were a bit tricky because you know, you're not sure it was new with COVID. You didn't really know where any masks, but you're not sure what, what was going to happen. And it, it just really showed me the potential of what could be with books because I was told many things like millennials won't read, you know, if you have an audiobook, you're not going to read this. Who, who reads these days? And, you know, here I'm sitting right now, it's 2000 total books sold. And it shows that, you know, if you, if you really believe in what you're doing and you, you put up possible strategies, it, it can work. And, you know, my first book led into my second book, The Millionaire Experience, um, which just super ironically, <laughs> the day my second book launched, which was also the day that COVID got really bad in Trinidad and they shut down the country again on the exact day. It was, I don't know, it's just my luck you know, which was a super devastating blow for me because again, you know, it happened again, right? But I take all these moments as learning lessons. It's like I'm being challenged on how I can, you know, still perform even when being held back. And, you know, they talk about when you write a book, you never know the doors are open to you. And for me, I really understood that, you know, um, it's like every week I'm being asked to speak on a panel, do something like this, give speeches, um, just from all the outreach of other authors asking for assistance, it opened up a part of my business that deals with guiding authors on how to self-publish strategies within the self-publishing or even doing aspects of the publishing for them, uh, which I you know, never imagined would be something I'd be doing. Um, but just when you go through this experience and you, you're getting so much um, questions for assistance, it just, it just worked. You know, as an entrepreneur, you, you fill the gap of what is needed and that's what I was trying to do. So it, it just, it just opened up a, a lot of doors for me. And whenever I tell people I took out a loan to pay for all this, they get very scared. They're like, how could you do that? And then I say, well, you know, when I weigh the pros and cons, I don't even think about that loan because it literally started everything for me. And I, I only see what more potential and what more doors can be open based on that one decision that I made. So I always say something, listen, there's a, I think there's a book in everyone, whether it's, for profit where there's a passion project you should write it because you never know what putting out something to the world cannot only do for you but can do for the persons that read your book awesome that was a fascinating tale it would make a good chapter <laughs> <laughs> in another book about launching 
books during the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> because you, you had to pivot and it shows just how serious you are about your craft and what you were doing. And even though we say self-publish, you were working with a team. I heard you mention an editor and um, different persons to help you in the launch process. I don't want persons to think when we say self-publishing, we're primarily saying that we're taking charge. We are paying to get it done. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing everything ourselves because that's a recipe to compromise the quality of the book definitely uh so i hear you is it that most of the books that have been sold it's been purchased by millennials and for those who don't know who are millennials what age group are we talking about so in 2022 a millennial will be somebody who's between the ages of about he was 24 to 41 Right, so we're more or less within the working population, as in might have just been starting or been there a little while, to more like senior, kind of getting into the managerial positions. Um, the majority of my books would have been sold right here in Trinidad, you know, asking for it delivered, right? Um, the lower spectrum being on Amazon or from bookstores or from little change where I keep, keep my books as well. Okay, but you're saying the lower spectrum. I looked at the millennial mind and you have about 32 reviews. You mm -hmm. are doing phenomenally well, so don't underplay that. <laughs> 32 I, I reviews, that means eyes are on it. You have social proof. It's going to go places. Yeah, I think for me, I just have a radical view with, 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 with the books in that I think if you're in the Caribbean, Yes, put it on Amazon and yes, sell it locally, but I think you should primarily focus locally first if you only have a set, couple set of yes. books. Just because you're going to get the support here first, um, uh, because Amazon is more of a long game. It's more of you having multiple books released over a steady period of time and you're slowly building your fandom so that if you get 20, 30, 40 books, you know, then you start to see the money really coming in. But you don't really get that if... If you want to start with something that you can actually start making or not, I mean, you should focus more on the local and then use Amazon as, as you go along. As a long game. I agree. But did you realize that you are still in the top 100 for one of the categories <laughs> for the that. millennial mind? So that puts you on the Amazon bestseller list for hourly bestsellers. So after <laughs> launching how long, <laughs> you are still... There, yeah, I think man. you're at 98, but it's been a long time <laughs> since the book <laughs> yeah, has I come out. So that is still a big win. Uh, many books, you know, we struggle to get reviews because, you know, with your first set of books, home is where you're going to get majority of the support. Mm -hmm. And if you're not spending on Amazon ads, then, you know, the you're not going to do well there. And so it's within that context that I say, even after launching that book, um, during COVID 2020, that you are still doing very well on Amazon in the sense that you're, you're getting the reviews. 32 reviews is no easy feat for a young man, a first book. And after more than a year, you're still, at least in one category, in the top 100. So congrats all around. I want to ask you though, Daniel, what role does the book now play in your business? Because 
This summit is about leveraging books and winning beyond book sales. So we are happy that you've sold a ton of books so far. But how does the book tie in with your business or your bigger mission and purpose in life? That's a juicy bit we want to know now. I see my book as like my business card, as, as that introduction, right? Let's say I'm in a meeting. That's the first thing I offer. I say, hey, you know, take a copy, take a read. Because when I reach out to these companies to, to do training or seminars or corporate retreats, that is a perfect way to get the ball rolling, right? So that's on one end. The other end is that when someone reads the book, I mean, if they need, if they're seeing, if they're, they're getting a lot of value, they see their life change and they want more, they'll naturally come to me because they just read the words. And that might lead them to doing a one-on-one -on -one consultation, doing a course or any other aspects of the business that I, I do as well. And then I'm even seeing that on the other end with the author coaching, because when somebody sees, oh, wow, you sold 2,000 copies, how do I do that? Then I can now sit down with them and say, okay, let's have a conversation about what you can change, right? Or what you can improve on to actually get to these numbers as well. So for me, it's, it's really just, it's like the beginning of my sales funnel. It's just like my introduction. It usually gets, gets me just in, in the door and... So, I mean, yes, it's a revenue generator, but for me on the long game, it's more of kind of showing me as one of niche experts, but then also, hey, these are all the other things that I do that can help you. And I don't have to really prove it to them as much, especially if they've read the book because they know what I'm capable of and they want to see what more can be done. Awesome. So you're hearing and your book gives you authority. It unlocks doors and it can be your business card. So don't miss what Daniel is saying. That's the essence there. And it will amplify or accelerate your business or whatever you have just because you have a book so you can raise your profile and do a number of things. Just want to ask a little bit more about Millennials, you said you've unlocked what they can do to achieve their fullest potential. Can you just give us one or two tips as it relates to interacting with and um, millennials and helping them to achieve their fullest potential? What should we really know about millennials? Because there's a lot of myths out there about millennials. I think number one thing is always lead with empathy and number two, always be willing to communicate. I think we get a bad name because we're not very much understood. So if you come with a, the angle of empathy, you kind of understand that, you know, we are a generation where we were raised in that, hey, you know, just get your studies done, get your, get your good grades, get your degree, get your master's. And once you're done, you'll get that job. You can see that job forever, just like our parents did, because that's, they were the work hard generation in that they could stay in a job for 50 years, um, retire and everything is nice. The only issue is that now we, we've left and everybody's educated. Everybody wants jobs. I know we're all fighting for the same jobs. And we're also realizing that the world, the landscape is different than what we were told. So we now have to figure out how we will exist in that. Whilst also having our, like our predetermined thoughts on what we are owed or what we should expect. Now, when you, when you, and, and a lot of it is conditioning, like what we would have experienced when we were growing up, we were, I mean, we were cuddled, like, let's be real. We were, we were protected from a lot of things. We were told we were special and, you know, enter the world and you realize that you're not really special. You still have to put in your work and there are millions of you out there. So how do you, being special really means actually doing a lot more work than you would have expected. 
So you so you're now seeing two competing ends now kind of colliding, and all these different behavioral issues will come from that. The anxiety from not knowing, um, the fear of saying, well, I, I want to get a job, but I don't believe in this company, but whatever, I need money. Um, the, 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 the chaoticness of just living day by day, but not really looking in the future and, and, and how crippling it is, but then also feeling like you don't have the control that you want to take the reins of your life. So it's, it's a lot coming at us from all different directions. And COVID doesn't help with like minusing two years from our lives just for things that we wanted to do, you know? So we, this is like, listen, I could talk about millennials all day. It's just that we, we have so many angles that we need to work. Um, and what my book really tends, wants to do is to, to make it practical for each person. When you read it, you, you can find that particular conditioning that you would have experienced that fits with you, learn something that you can do to make it change. And then, yeah, just, if you want to go further, there are exercises at the end of each chapter so that you can do them so that you can feel like, okay, I'm actually making progress. Because one thing I hate is to read a book, be motivated for like a day or a week, and then it just completely disappears. So I wanted, I didn't want that for my book, which is why I put the exercises at the end. Oh, you have them there. All right. So Daniel, as we bring this interview to a close, the first book was The Millennial Mind. What is it that you want to say to persons who are interested in this one? And then I'm going to show them the other one, which is uh, the millennial experience. Just give us a synopsis of these two books. So the millennial mind takes regular personal development issues like time management, finding a purpose, goal setting, but it puts a very current day spin on it. So you'll find out when you're reading it, it's very relatable. Some of these stories will be things that you've experienced that you may be struggling with uh, and just gives the just needed insight so that you can make the change, feel better about the direction that you have and the control that you have over your life uh, and take those practical uses and use them, right? So it's meant to help you immediately. And my second book, The Millennial Experience, takes those same challenges, the personal development aspects, but it weaves modern day stories. So you will hear stories about things that, you have gone through, your friends have gone through, your family have gone through, and really makes you think about why we do what we do. I talk about all these different social norms, like uh, fighting on social media, um, the, how anxiety plays on your day-to-day -day actions, and how, you know, living day-to-day -day and not looking in the future, what it can do. So these stories are meant to make you think, but it's also meant to make you grow. You, it will make you analyze why you do what you do and think of, okay, maybe I should be doing more. Okay, one final thing before you go for the young man, the young woman, the millennial out there who's thinking of writing a book, what's your biggest tip for them? Biggest tip, I mean, the biggest thing you need to have is a book. And I would say if you can commit to just 30 minutes of writing every day, you'll be lead, like just leads ahead of everyone else because that is really the hard part for most dedicating that 30 minutes that one hour to writing and you don't need to write perfection every day you just need to write so that you have the content to make your book because once you have the book you can then make the plan daniel where can we find out more about you and what you do so that you can help more millennials to achieve their fullest potential right so i mean you can find me i'm very active on social media so on linkedin it's daniel francis on instagram it's rebit limited or you can even add me, Daniel Martin Francis. Um, 
Wilson's usually I'm very active in my DMs. So if you have any questions or requests, you can go there. Um, also, my books are on Amazon. And if you're locally, you can get them at RIK or Nigel Arkan locations nationwide. All right. Thank you, Daniel. And I trust that you got something out of Daniel's interview. I found it very interesting and even more insightful was what he shared during our live Q&A session. I'm going to pull out some of that and share that in another episode. I want to give a shout out to Lady Tracy, who is a regular listener. She said she found the episode with Isila Demarcado very inspiring. Also, another friend who attended my first entrepreneur boot camp, Judith McKenzie. Shout out to Judith. She weighed in on the episode. She said she enjoyed listening and she remembered the promise she made years ago of wanting to work and donate to the CCD, that's the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf, where the Demarcados worked for 21 years. And she said, a question I asked them about, how do you know if God is really speaking to you about going into ministry? That that is a question that she's struggling with. So I want to thank you for just commenting and sharing how that episode with Isilda, episode 50, how Isilda left a legacy by publishing her story before her passing in April 2021. I'm glad that that ministered to you. And so thank you for listening. I look forward to getting those voice notes. Please send in your voice note and let me know how these episodes have impacted you, which was your favorite episode in, in the year that we've been podcasting, that I've been podcasting. Let me know what has been your favorite episode or what have you learned? How has this podcast impacted you? as we inch closer to episode 52. This is Ruth Taylor reminding you to take charge of your publishing, go pen it to win it, and dominate entrepreneurship. Ta for now, until next time. I'm Tamara Francis, educator and editor. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. If you'd like to increase your impact and income with books, visit authorpreneursecrets.com for more resources, including the books, Pen It to Win It, and Authorpreneur Secrets. Join the Authorpreneur Secrets Academy membership group for courses, coaching, and community support to write, publish, and win with books. Enrollment is in January and June each year. You may also sign up for one of Ruth's Publishing Made Easy courses or private coaching to write and publish your next book. Until next time, go pen it to win it.